The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Some weeks when I hear that clip of us calling fights together, circa 2015, I get more emotional than others. Some weeks I'm so focused on Habib and the show that I'm not even listening to the open. Today, though, I'm getting a little bit emotional. Maybe it's just because I'm 42. The good old days. Remember that? Not that Prepping long ago. These fights? Man. Well, today is One Sunday, day. November 1st, 2020. Quick turn for episode 274 of the Anakin Florian podcast. A lot to get to today. We're certainly going to try not to shortchange Anderson Silva and Bryce Mitchell and everything that happened over the weekend at the UFC Apex. But a lot of the headlines really center on what Dana White said after the fight. So we'll get into some of that and time permitting also uh, Ken Flo's thoughts on Hamza Chimaya versus Leon Edwards. What a main event that is December 19th and and what a way to close out the year. But uh, we begin headlines with one of the best to ever do it. Ken Flo, the former UFC middleweight champion, Anderson Silva. Uh, does not go out in style if this is his last UFC fight. I thought there were uh, moments of of shine, if you will, for him, but overall not the result he was looking for. Uh, Dana White was regretful after the fact for even giving him this opportunity. Big win for Uriah Hall, but the story obviously is Silva, who seemingly steps away after after this final UFC start at 45 years old. You know, I, I have no idea why uh, Dana um, is kind of regretful of putting him in there. I, I think that this was one of the better performances from Anderson Silva in a long time, in my opinion. I thought yeah. he looked tuned into the fight. Um, I thought his chin was tucked. He was really trying to stay active. Um, I thought where it went wrong for him was when he started getting overly aggressive and started winging punches, with which threw himself off balance. And right around that same time, I think we had a tuned-in Uriah Hall. And once he started landing some shots, and after he dropped Anderson, um, I thought Uriah kind of shifted his confidence uh, tremendously in the positive direction and caught Anderson again and then was able to put him away. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think... Anderson is retiring, um, I, I think, at a good time. I hope that he does stay retired, uh, you know, because I don't want to see his legacy tarnished anymore. Uh, but uh, I thought this was one of his better performances in a long time, John. Yeah, I think there was a lot to extract from this performance that was good. And you're right. It was almost his own wayward offense that was used against him by Uriah Hall. Dana just didn't seem in a particularly great mood after the fact. He also said of Uriah Hall, I'm not sure if you caught, caught the soundbite, but he said he was one of the most gun-shy fighters in the UFC. How would you assess the Uriah Hall performance? Certainly there was an uptick in the aggression and late in that third round, and, and obviously when the main event rounds begun, uh, he found that, uh, that knockout stroke. You know, I guess it's always easy to see, um, you know, a fire and be like, that's not very hot. I'd walk through that. That looks seems, seems, yeah. <laughs> seems uh, easy enough. All right. Um, you know, Uriah Hall's fighting Anderson Silva, okay? He's fighting Anderson Silva. Now, when you fight a guy like Anderson Silva, you're fighting the legend, you're fighting the myth, and you're also fighting the actual fighter who has the technical skills and the power to still put you out. 
So I, I yeah. think while I do think that Uriah Hall was trying to find Anderson's rhythm out there and trying to get uh, his confidence going, uh, I do think that you do want to have a certain amount of caution, right? I, I mean, right. Right. It, it, just to go forward and be like, uh, you know, I don't understand why he just doesn't go out there and look to knock him out. That is not an easy thing to do and not an easy thing to do against a, a tall, lanky, extremely experienced and technical Anderson Silva. And ultimately, if you're Uriah Hall, what you're looking for, I keep going back to the Wikipedia page, but you're looking for a green stripe next to Anderson Silva and you're looking for a finish. And it's almost right. like you don't care how you get it. Ideally, you don't get it by him getting injured. But Uriah Hall went in there to finish the fight. Uh, I do think there was sort of a calculated nature to him, especially early on, and, and I'm certainly OK with it. Uh, but as far as putting Anderson Silva's career into proper context, it is very weird to have all these all-timers sort of retiring around the same time. Daniel Cormier, Khabib Nurmagomedov last week. More on that in a minute, of course, because that seems less final maybe than it did a week ago. But you have Anderson Silva, who at one point was the measuring stick for pound-for-pound pound greatness, Ken Flo, the most dominant champion in the UFC. And the ledger goes from 33-4 and four to 34-11. and 11. And it's hard for me to not think about the end of your career. And I know it was a back injury that ultimately forced you to step away. But your last fight was for a belt, and you just weren't going to hang around and be looking at an ugly Wikipedia page with a bunch of red at the end of your career. And so he goes 33 and four to 34 and 11. If I'm inclusive in the GOAT conversation, he is certainly in my top five. I don't know how you talk about UFC history without repeatedly getting back to the name Anderson Silva, uh, but public opinion seems very much split as far as his legacy is concerned. John, I appreciate you trying to inject me into the GOAT conversation. You know, I, hey. I'm just not going to accept that though, John. Well, you know, I refuse. No, I'll just, of course I'm joking. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, for Anderson, yeah, it, it's tough, man. You know, again, I think so So many fighters just kind of uh, become institutionalized in a lot of ways. And just this is the only thing we know and the only thing we do. Um, I do think, though, that when you look at Anderson Silva, um, there are kind of two of them, right? There's the Anderson Silva that when he's electric and when he finds a willing dance partner, not only will he beat you, but he'll make you look foolish. He could defeat a Vitor Belfort in the first round where not a whole lot is happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Vitor Belfort is sleeping on the canvas in round one. So, you know, he has these magical type skills when he's on, but when he's off, he'll have a fight against, let's say, a Damian Mai at 185 pounds where they're kind of, you know, looking at each other for a long time and not, not a whole lot of action going on. But I will argue that when Anderson Silva was on, there were very few people that were on his level that he could absolutely, uh, you know, stake a claim to being the greatest of all time. When he was on his game, he was just unbelievable. Whether you look at his performance against Forrest Griffin at 205 pounds or so much, of, uh, so many of the, the amazing knockouts that he had throughout his career, Anderson Silva was the man. To be able to interview him in that octagon in Brazil, I believe, after his loss to Jared Cannonier is something that I'll never forget. He's the consummate gentleman, dear friend of one of our longtime listeners, Heidi Dean, UFC staffer. And I know this is an emotional morning and week for Heidi and a lot of people who got to know this just giant of a man. I mean, there's no overstating his legend for me. If you want to put an asterisk on it, uh, then go ahead and do so. But uh, we congratulate Anderson Silva on obviously a historic career. As far as Uriah Hall is concerned, you know, competitive top 10 fighter. I think if you read deeper into what Dana White was saying, he just didn't see Uriah Hall looking the part of truly elite bona fide middleweight contender taking advantage of a main event spotlight, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not putting 
Israel Adesanya on a Valentina Shevchenko level in terms of dominating his or her respective opposition. But you didn't watch Uriah Hall Saturday night, Ken Flo, and think that he's not, you know, plus five, plus 600 against Israel Adesanya, right? Yeah, um, I, I would say so. You know, I, I think the other thing is, it, you know, while we're bringing up Israel Adesanya, I mean, let, let's look at Israel's fight against Anderson Silva. I, I mean, it's not like he went out there and got the finish against him either. I mean, so Anderson Silva isn't exactly an easy guy to just go out there and just knock out. You, you don't yeah. one one doesn't just go out there and knock out Anderson Silva. Right. There, there's a method to the madness. Uriah Hall, it took him a little bit longer to figure out what his method was going to be. And once he did, I thought he was largely dominant. Um, I do think that Uriah Hall is a special talent as far as his physical abilities, his mm. speed, his ability to knock you out. I mean, uh, before the Anthony Buckley fight, uh, before the Anthony Buckley knockout, there was the Uriah Hall uh, knockout as well. And he had a few of those, you know, the spinning back kick where he knocked out Gegard Mousasi. Does anybody remember that when he knocked yeah. him out with yeah. a very similar knockout? It, it didn't knock him out cold right straight away, but it's what led to the knockout. No doubt. He is this, he is a spectacular striker and getting better and really maturing as a fighter. Um, I don't think he's there yet as far as getting that, uh, title shot against Israel Adesanya, but he's on his way. Another couple yeah. impressive wins. And I think, uh, things can get interesting. Yeah, he'll need two more wins, and you'd like to see him against the Darren Tills of the world right now in current yeah. form. But most knockouts in UFC middleweight history, Anderson Silva and Tiago Santos with eight, and then five others tied with seven, and Uriah Hall is among them. And you don't go to the general safe Saud and sleep on an air mattress at Fortis MMA if you don't have the desire and the hunger. And a lot of people believe that that is prerequisite one to be a UFC champion. So uh, I'm not trying to cut down Uriah Hall at all. You know, I do believe that he needed a finish this weekend in that minus 225 range. Those are fights you're supposed to go out and finish, and uh, he certainly did that. So we'll see what they do with Uriah Hall. Uh, as big a headline maker over the weekend was Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. And sometimes I feel like this is a guy that maybe you need to see fight live to truly appreciate, but I think this is a, an elite featherweight Ken Flo. I thought he fought a very game and prime Andre Feely. I think he fought the best version of Andre Feely. I thought Feely did some very good things defensively. Again, my eyes are not your eyes, but uh, I don't know. This was a high quality win, and I think it puts Mitchell on a fast track to uh, to top ten opposition. Your thoughts? Uh, I would say I would say it's a quality win for sure. I, I think that Andre Feely has been largely inconsistent through most of his career. Uh, there's been certain performances where I, I look at it and I said, this kid is on his game. He's looking fantastic. And there's other times that I see him where it seems like he kind of succumbs either to the mental pressure or maybe he gets overly emotional. I think that was one of those nights uh last night now i think that bryce mitchell had a lot to do with it the kind of pressure he was putting on him uh, i think it was a lot of pressure and bryce is largely way more inexperienced than than uh, feely so i thought that he was the guy who looked like the more mature and veteran fighter out there um and i think that's a testament to bryce's mindset um, I do think that there are some concerns when I see a guy like Bryce in a dominant position and get launched off of when I, when I see a guy get launched from yep. a position, it yep. means that he doesn't understand the position well enough. Um, it's not because Feely did something great when Feely's escaping the guard. I think that is largely Feely doing something well. When I see someone 
bench press someone off, it means that the person on top isn't doing something well. So Bryce still has some improvements to make, uh, both in his stand-up and his ground game. What that means is, is that people better fight him sooner than later because Bryce is going to get better. And I do think he's going to give a lot of people trouble uh, if he continues to improve like, like we're seeing. So in terms of, of Andre Feely defensively, and I know much was made on the broadcast of him bringing in Gary Tonin, you're right to point out that one time that was sort of a high amplitude escape, if you will. And Bryce Mitchell seemed to immediately criticize himself in the post-fight interview for that particular part mm -hmm. of the fight, because I think somebody on his level uh, is humbled by that transition for yes. sure. But if you're Andre Feely, right, you hate to paint a guy with a gatekeeper brush, but this is sort of a tough one for him to swallow. And I do think physically, mentally, emotionally, he put himself in position to win this fight. I do think in the 30 footer, maybe it would have been a little bit different, but, uh, just a very takedown approach from Mitchell. And every time you thought maybe his cardio was going to abandon him and allow Feely to keep the fight upright, uh, it never happened. Uh, Bryce is a grimy and tough kid. That's one thing oh, we found man. out with this fight. And I think this is kind of a great way of experiencing that, right? And obviously getting the win and still being in a tough fight and being in some tough spots and having to really dig deep and put that guy right back on his mat, right back on the mat. I thought, uh, show that Bryce is a game competitor. He's not a guy who's going to just go away if he gets hurt. So I thought that was a good sign. Yeah. But for Feely, unfortunately, I think you are correct that um, this kind of solidifies that gatekeeper status, right? I mean, he called out Bryce Mitchell. He was the guy who wanted this fight, and he failed in his attempt. Um, and I thought that, you know, the first round, he was dominated. That might it you could have an argument that, that was a 10 8 actually uh i thought the second round he did a much better job coming back bryce mitchell almost stole that round i thought feely just edged him right, out because of how it finished uh and then the third round i thought he was dominated again so uh unfortunate for feely who now really has to dig his way back and um you know it, it, it's really tough especially given his inconsistency over the last couple of years I think you set it up beautifully. I think big picture for Thug Nasty, he's going to get another big high-profile fight. Uh, he certainly is compelling to listen to, whether it's a post-fight interview or a post-fight scrum, even if you don't agree with the messaging. But again, when I think of these pressure guys like Khabib Nurmagomedov and Curtis Blades and Marab Dwalishwili, you know, I'm starting to think of Bryce Mitchell in that class. Like, just don't want to be betting against these guys uh, who have the heart and the cardio and the volume takedowns. And again, doing it in a number of different ways, deceptively quickly at times to get Feely down and I don't know. It's uh, it's a tough one for Feely, but a great fight, and certainly the fight for me that uh, that I was most excited about over the weekend. Uh, before we spin it forward, you got anything for me on Greg Hardy? Uh, he obviously was pretty winded after the fact, and I just think that he's a big athlete moving around a lot of weight. But uh, I really can't help but wonder if Greg Hardy had been a lifelong martial artist, you know, where he'd be at right now, because uh, the improvements have been pretty significant. Kempfo, what'd you think about Hardy against the Crochet Boss Maurice Green? I thought I thought Hardy looked great. Uh, I thought that he was, um, you know, way more calculated. Uh, and then once he kind of figured out, or once he felt that Green really wasn't too much of a threat, he was just kind of disrespecting him out there. He was just like, oh, "I got you. I I'm going to knock you out, or I'm going to take you down and, and beat you up." And that's exactly what he did. I mean, 
Um, I thought he showed a much more well-rounded game and a, a, a very tactical approach for Greg Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was really dominant. I, I didn't see Maurice Green really landing a whole lot. I thought Maurice Green was going to give him uh, a lot more trouble. And I thought he was going to pose some problems and throw some things at Greg Hardy that he, he hadn't seen before. Uh, that was just not the case. Hardy looked very comfortable for the most part. Uh, when he did get gassed, he did a good job of kind of uh, just waiting and catching his breath and doing the right things to kind of avoid damage. And then he took him out when he needed to. I thought it was a solid performance from Greg Hardy. It's hard for me as an NFL fan on the level that I'm an NFL fan and an American to not be rooting for this guy, right? Ken Flo. I mean, certainly his, uh, his exit unceremonious from the NFL is well-documented as are some of the issues that he dealt with in the past, but judging him based upon his UFC body of work and the way he has handled himself since becoming a professional mixed martial artist, I can't help but find myself rooting for the guy. And if he can realize success in the form of getting to be top 10 in the world, coupled with what he did in the NFL, you know, he ain't Bo Jackson, but it's pretty damn impressive. You know, in 2013, he turned in a historically great season for an NFL defensive lineman. And uh, I don't know, man, I think there are guys in the top 15 at heavyweight right now that he could be for sure. You know, he's clearly a good athlete. He is uh, dedicated to improving uh, his craft. Um, and I think we'll continue to see those changes as long as he keeps that mindset. And, you know, I think that everybody deserves a second chance. Um And I think martial arts kind of puts people in the right mindset and keeps them humble uh, and gets them to reflect on, on, on what you're doing and what you've done and all that stuff. And, uh, it looks like Hardy is, is headed down the right path. And, uh, you know, I I wish him the best, man. I need to get back on my martial arts quest. Ken Flo. (laughs) Yeah. Why not, man? So, uh, just because this show is not live, I want to tell the listeners right now it is Sunday morning, 1121 a.m. Eastern uh, Ray Longo. Is he still sleeping, Cody? I mean, can you just give me a nod? It seems like Longo might still be sleeping. No, he's awake. All right. So because there's a lot else I want to get to. Right. If Ray isn't going to be awake, we could just steamroll through some of these headlines. But it looks like Ray Longo is coming up in about four minutes. So uh, Ken Flo, very quickly. So Dana White said after the fights this weekend that Jan Bohovic will be next for Israel Adesanya. So Bohovic, uh, his wife or fiance, I believe, is going to have a baby boy in December. Bohovic mentioned March as a possible return. But Israel Adesanya, because the number one contender, the clear number one contender, Robert Whitaker, does not want to fight Adesanya right now, in some part because he has a fourth kid on the way in January. Jan Bohovic and Adesanya is going to be the fight seemingly for the 205-pound title as Adesanya gets his opportunity to become a simultaneous two-division champion. And I think for Bohovic, you know, I think it's a little disappointing for Thiago Santos and Glover Teixeira fighting in a main event this weekend. But if you're Jan Bohovic and you're not getting the John Jones fight uh, for title defense number one, Flo, this would be the next best thing, I would think. (laughs) This was interesting, man. It it kind of was uh, okay crap moment for me seeing that that it was announced um i think it, it, it i don't know i, I have mixed feelings Tell us on this how part. you really feel Kevin. yeah i have mixed feelings on this you know first of all israel adesanya is an absolutely brilliant fighter and i do think that he could beat a guy like a Jan, Jan bohovic the problem is what happens after that is he going to fight uh, either Glover Teixeira or Tiago Santos? Is he going to fight all these 205ers one after another? What happens to the 185-pound division? Is he going to go back and forth? And what we've seen usually when someone is doing that is that it doesn't last long one way or another. Either they lose um, or uh, they have to choose what division they're going to be in. So I, I think – 
I don't want to say it's too quick for Israel Adesanya. I'm just surprised by the announcement. Um, and it's about to get interesting, especially given the John Jones and Israel Adesanya back and forth uh, between those two. So I don't know. I, I think it opens up a lot of p possibilities for the UFC and perhaps more options. Um, I, I just uh, it, it was curious. It, it was interesting. I think part of it is that Adesanya is just such a willing and hungry competitor right now. And again, he has kept this furious schedule that seemingly he wants to keep again in 2021. So you turn him around in a few months. And if he does become the champion, and I think it's a tall ask, but if he does beat Wojovich and then he and Jones fight for the light heavyweight title, uh, that only heightens the stakes. Uh, speaking of stakes, seems also that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier is a done deal. Poirier says it'll be at 155 pounds, but it does not appear that the belt is going to be on the line, Kenny. It seems like Dana and the UFC brass would like to give Khabib every opportunity to be thoughtful about this decision before he ultimately vacates the undisputed title. Cejudo was very quick to vacate, and they were very quick to move forward with a title fight. Um, but it seems, at least right now, Kenny, that Dustin and Connor would be a likely eliminator. It was already agreed for for January 23rd, and the good news is it'll be at lightweight, which just makes it super fucking relevant. Oh, man. I mean, that's the fight to make. We were talking about it on the last show, and I think that's absolutely the right decision. Um, I'm really curious to see how Dustin Poirier has improved since then. Clearly he has improved since their first fight. Um, but how does he deal with, uh, those skills against Conor McGregor? I, I don't know. I, I still think it's a tough matchup for him, but Dustin Poirier, uh, is a, a problem for anybody. And, and I think he's fighting him at the right time right now. So I think it's a huge fight, you know, in, in regards to, uh, it not being for a title, uh, at this point. I would say let's wait and see. Um, yeah. I think that uh, if Habib uh, gets back to Dana and said, "Hey, listen, man, I'm I'm done. This is it," then that's right. going to be for a belt. There, there's right. no ifs, right. ands, or buts about it. Right. Um, I think part of it is being respectful to Habib and allowing him that space to come back if he wants to. Because right. let's face it, there's no bigger fight in the UFC right. than Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor for that 155 pound strap. No, you're right. Being respectful to Khabib and his 30 million followers or so on Instagram. But it's interesting because Khabib has only competed once a year for the last couple. And it's hard to believe he would compete anytime before like July of 2021. And again, I'm not sure how many times he really wants to cut down to 155 pounds in the future. It was another not great cut, I think. So I don't know. I think there are a lot of things in play now with the lightweight division now that uh, at least there's going to be a little bit of a holding pattern. I would also say, as we outlined some of those lightweight contenders on the show last week, Dustin Poirier was the hardest guy to make a case against. But a lot of these guys, Kenny, are coming off a loss. So this actually benefits a guy like Tony Ferguson or a guy like Justin Gaethje in this conversation because they can build up a lightweight winning streak, even just getting a win singularly in a fight and all of a sudden put themselves back in the mix. So, uh, you know, without an obvious number one versus number two, I I'm okay. If McGregor and Poirier, uh, doesn't have championship stakes, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you have some champions who you can trot out there three times a year. Khabib is just not going to be that guy, despite the fact that there are obviously, uh, a, a lineup of contenders waiting for that shot at the greatest of all time in that division. Uh, a couple other things before we close the book on uh, UFC fight night hall versus Silva. So, 
the Greg Hardy fight got me thinking, Ken Flo, about the idling Francis Ngannou and just how good Francis Ngannou is, how good he is now, seemingly how good he must be relative to that first meeting with Stipe. But, you know, the guy has fought just a few seconds now in a couple years, despite dusting all these top guys. And uh, it feels like we have this ferocious Mike Tyson-like heavyweight entering his fighting prime, and it's going to be hard to get him a fight. It's going to be Stipe. Um, I guess you're just going to tell me to be patient, right? Just be patient. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, uh, I'm sure the UFC wants to see him fight really badly as well. Um, but yeah, he's in that kind of that zone where, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people want to fight him. And maybe the people that do want to fight him are maybe unranked where it doesn't benefit Francis Ngannou at this point. Right. Thank God um, for Jarzinho Rosenstrike fucking calling the guy out or yeah. really wouldn't have a lot of fights. I mean, Flo, like I'm just looking this up on my phone right now. So uh, 20 seconds. 71 seconds, 26 seconds, 45 <laughs> seconds, right? And that takes you all the way back to that uh, that Derek Lewis outlier, which was midway through 2018. So, right. you know, it's just a few seconds, right? Uh, I don't know. I just had Francis Ngannou's name in the rundown because as I'm watching Greg Hardy and getting excited about him, I'm thinking, man, you know, like if anybody deserves to wait until August, it's Stipe. But uh, I guess that's just ha has to be the fight. Am I wrong? Yeah. And no, absolutely. That that's a, a tremendous fight. I, I think that you look at, you know, you talk about those fights. You're like, yeah, well, Francis Ngannou is more experienced now. But yeah, that's true. He has more fights. But let's talk about how many minutes he's actually spent in the UFC right. octagon, especially working on his grappling. Not a whole lot. He doesn't right. even get there because he's so damn explosive and he's so fast. He's so powerful. But um, I, I do think that uh, you know he's made some changes, and I think that Stipe rematch is going to be very interesting. And I'm sure Eric Nixick and others would uh, would speak a lot about the value of those training camps. But you're right. Not a lot of octagon time accrued for uh, for Francis Ngannou. All right. Ray Longo in 60 seconds. But we all know 2020 has been a little nuts. Doesn't mean you should disregard taking care of yours. Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And the mission has now gone international. Manscaped has now released their products in the UK, Canada and Australia. And that includes the lawnmower 3.0. As many of you know, Manscaped has changed the way I go about my hygiene. You know, I give myself a skin fade every four or five days, but no longer am I using the same trimmer on my face and my head as I use down there because I'm using the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof technology on the lawnmower, by the way. And Manscaped has now also just released the crop care kit as well includes all sorts of products. The ball wipes, not a personal favorite of Kenflow yet, but they're in the mail. And how about the foot deodorant, the body wash in that bundle as well. And all these formulations, all vegan cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Ken Flo will tell you exactly what all of that means, but you know you're in good hands. And if you're not there yet with Manscaped, now is the time to get in on the craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com slash AF. I wonder if we took a lawnmower 3.0 to the top of Longo's head, if it would cut anything. I bet it would. Uh, let's get to Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Longo on that turn and burn after post-fight obligations on extra rounds. He now joins us for his weekly Ray Longo Minute. You were in Philadelphia Last yeah. night, or was it a Friday night show? 
It was I was there Thursday and Friday. Okay. We had a lot going on. A lot, John. And I know on. the team did pretty well, but one guy that I want to spotlight here off of, off the top of the segment for for the star of the show is Pumi Nakuda, 25 years old, 2 and 0 now as a pro, a win at CFFC. So you were in the building. Uh, and this is a guy that I met, I believe, in Vegas a few weeks ago. Flyweight division, is that right? Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You did meet him, I believe, when we were outside. Yeah, oh, yeah. I met him before. No, I don't know if he was there with me, but you did meet him, though. He was out there with Aljo for a while. So some good amateur experience, obviously, now 2-0 and as a pro. Uh, yeah, talk to me about, about Pumi. Don't call him fucking Pumi. Yeah, what? What the heck is going on? How dare you? But, not uh, me. <laughs> listen, uh, you know, he I believe he was five or six and oh as an amateur. Uh, now he's two and oh as a pro. I'm going to say all dominant wins. Um, just uh, just, a, you know, like the sky is the limit for this kid, you know, and even, uh, you know, I remember talking to Aljo a while back. He goes, you know, if he doesn't do anything, I'd be really disappointed. Like even if he didn't follow it or, or complete what he started. But he's probably one of the most talented kids in the gym. And, uh, you know, Marab used him as a sparring partner. The only guy that could ma match Marab with his gas tank is this kid. So uh, wow. really, really, Kenny, you'd love him, man. Go look. He's like, a, I'm going to say like a Demetrius Johnson. He's going to be that. That's how good he's going to be. Wow. Um, uh, and if you look at him, you know, at an early stage, I don't want to go too crazy because sometimes you put the kiss of death on somebody, but he's a super talented kid. He's, he's, he is going to do great one way or the other. So uh, beautiful personality, uh, great, you know, great energy in the gym. And uh, man, he, he performs, man. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a great kid with super talent, man. He put it all together the other night against a tough kid. Uh, and uh, I, I expect big things out of him. I really do. Speaking of big things, talk to me about Bryce Mitchell. Some would call him thug nasty out of the great state of Arkansas. Big co-main event win over Andre Feely. Your thoughts on Bryce Mitchell Saturday night and ultimately big picture, how high is uh, is the ceiling? Yeah, let me just, I just want to say one more thing, John, because I, I got I to gotta spread the love out because we had three guys fight and I had Dylan Montello in Florida on a promotion. What a beautiful walkaway knockout. Two beautiful right hands in a row. Uh, took the guy out in the second round. I mean, picture perfect distance, timing, composure. It's a great fight to look at because he fought a, a jujitsu guy out of, Vegas, man, I'm blanking on everybody's names, but uh, the guy almost had him in a heel hook in the first, you know, uh, first round. That's all he wanted to do was get the takedown, but kind of gassed himself out, and then Dylan just finished it in the second. And we also had James Gonzalez, who had a tough fight but lost. So, I, you know, if I say yeah. one thing, I'm not going to – I can't do that to everybody do else. Your, uh, do your regional-level fighters listen to the Anakin Florian podcast? Because we uh, shout them all out. Every, every one of them. All right. Every well, we, we're going to make a point. I'm sorry to shortchange no. them. Uh, no. But let's get to, to Thug Bryce Filthy. Mitchell, uh, thug Filthy, Thug Nasty. What a All in. All beautiful in. fight against a great, you know, against a really super talented opponent. I think it was, you know, he looks like he's stepping up in increments and, uh, you know, he's very unassuming, but he looks like he's gaining confidence. And that was a great fight for a variety of reasons, Kenny. You know what I mean? Because I think it was a step up for him. Feely's he's been around forever. He's fought a lot of great guys. So, uh, super impressed with his takedowns, uh, his stand-ups getting better, his mindset. He's definitely a tough kid. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he, he was in the gym maybe a couple of years ago. And again, I could be off on my timeline, but 
super nice guy. And again, unassuming, you look at him, you don't really see anything. And then he gets in there and he's, he's just not easy. You know, he's good. He's really, really good. He, he impressed me three or four years ago and I'm even more impressed now. I thought that was a great win for him. And he's, he's, he's a problem. You know, if he keeps growing at this rate, he's going to be a problem. There's a uh, filmmaker out there and I am disappointed that the name is escaping me, but there's a lot of Bryce Mitchell content out there, documentary style that uh, really just endeared him to the masses and people like me. I I can't get enough of the Bryce Mitchell content. Um, You got anything for us on Anderson Silva? I mean, we kind of exhausted it off the top. I mean, I think people sometimes have a hard time putting his legacy into context. And, uh, you know, when you go from 33 and four to 34 and 11, it doesn't necessarily help. But uh, as Ken Flo articulated off the top, this performance was not without merit. What'd you think of uh, the spider in a loss to Uriah Hall? Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of a 45 year old guy going up against a young, a younger mm-hmm. experienced fight. I'm just, I, I don't see the, the point in it unless, you know, you need money or whatever it is. And I don't even like that, but uh, yeah, I, I want to remember that guy for who he was. And that's why, again, like he even said it in the post fight interview, it's like, you know, fighters, you know, he, he, it's hard to walk away. You know, it's hard to walk away. And that's why I really admire, like, the Khabibs and Cejudo that can walk away at a time when they're at the top. So we're never going to see those guys get the shit knocked out of them, you know, four or five times in a row. And I think there's, there's something to that. You know, I, I'm, I might be in the minority, but that's the way I feel. I want to remember Anderson Silva for when he was Anderson Silva, I didn't even want to see that fight last night. And my concern is that, you know, that Uriah Hall's such a nice guy. He really is. And you could see the emotion. I think that's real, man. That was a, that was one of his idols that he had to beat the crap out of. And I didn't even think, I thought like the first two rounds, look, I thought Anderson looked great hitting the mitts before the fight. I thought his movement's still there. You could see for a 45 year old, he's absolutely fantastic. There's no no there's no doubt about it. He's still good, but to compete in this arena against younger guys, I, that's a different level. You know, he's going to be able to do what he did last night forever. I think at this point, he could go another five right. years. I thought he showed, you know, and I don't know if that was Uriah Hall respecting him too much. That that was my point. I thought Uriah was such a nice guy. He might even let him win, try to make it look good. And who knows, you know See, I mean? I just, I don't think Kenny and I agree with that because yeah. Anderson Silva will fuck you up if you're not careful. And then you've lost to a 45 year old Anderson Silva, right? Yeah. Ken Flo. Like I, yeah. I just think, I think there's some truth in, in the earlier part, but I don't think Uriah Hall was, uh, was not pulling the trigger no, no, um, I, because I he didn't, didn't want to fuck no, up an old man, you know, pulling the trigger. I said, that was my concern that I think Uriah was that guy that he could take a loss and they wouldn't matter to him. Cause you know what I'm saying? I think again, I'm, this is craziness, but you know what? I, I just think you're right. Is that guy. That's why he was crying at the end. Right. I mean, no, he, no, he, you're right. He had, he had to hurt somebody. I believe really he did idolize and that's a shitty feeling, John. It really yeah. is. That's a yeah. shitty feeling. You know, I mean, you know, it's almost like with your old man, you don't want to beat your father at anything. You know right. what I mean? And then, you know, the guy's getting older and you beat right. him. And then, it, you know, I, I, I kind of been through that. I, I felt like shit. You know what I mean? So I it's I know where Uriah is coming from. So I'm not saying he didn't. I, I, just, I said that was a possibility. I just didn't see the purpose of that fight. 
I it's really just, it's, it's always been, you know, and, and it doesn't mean we have to accept it and like yeah. it, but it's always been the nature of combat sports in a lot of ways, right? It's the, it's the guy, he's this legend, and then all of a sudden, once he starts fading, feed him to the young lions so we can create yeah. new legends. And it, it, this game will chew you up and spit you out um, and, and if you don't get out in time, and, and that's kind of just a reality. Yeah, and again, he is, look, he's still good. He's still going to beat the crap out of a guy with no experience or whatever, maybe even guys with, with some experience, but, but what's the point? You know, he's not, he's not like, he'd have to tell me exactly what his goal was. You know, if his goal was to make another 2 million for his family and he doesn't care what happens to him, I'm, I'm for him, you know, but I don't know what he's thinking. And well, I, I think again, like, again, this is a guy that was great that provided so many headlines. And John, my other thing was, this is a sport where the fans, I believe, turn over every four or five years. So there's people out there that never saw him fight before. Trust me, I talked to right. a lot of young kids that are just tuning in now. Right. That's what they're going to remember. And then their right. dad got to go, you got to go look right. at that guy when he was this. And, oh, yeah, dad, sure, yeah, I'm sure. Right. He was. But yeah. that's, that's the problem I had. I just think it's... It's nice. I don't know. I always remember my old man telling, I don't even know if it's true, but I think Joe DiMaggio left, you know, while he was still great. You never right. saw him right. ripping, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, you want to go, you know, watch a great singer, you know, for the last time, forgetting the words to songs and right. stumbling around. Right. I, mean, I don't know. Right. I mean, no, that, it makes sense. You know, that, uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. I, look, I love I loved the guy. You know, he, he gave us so many things. Even when he beat Franklin in the clinch, Kenny brought back – you know, the plum or the tie clinch and everybody was doing it. And, you know, he had that up elbow on Fricklin. He front kicked a super talented Belfort in the face. That's it. I That's the memory I want. I don't yeah. want this memory of Uriah right. Hall, you know, knocking him down with a with a check hook and then beating the shit out of him on the floor. Right. I mean, it's right. shit. Right. And I don't but know. In terms of what he has to offer at 45 years old, maybe not, not, maybe not much against Jared Cannonier, yeah. but Conor McGregor, said sort of the nature, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the nature of the competitor is such in a lot of these guys that it's just about finding the right opponent. I mean, you mean I to tell will. me there's not a 51-year-old kickboxer out there that Anderson Silva could uh, could knock out right now? You know, not I'm not saying I want to see it. But... A hundred percent, but you said the key word, the right opponent. Yes. And yeah, right. of course he not can. Not a top he, 10, four or five middle weight. still moving good. You could still hit the pads good. I mean, look, I think – like what Tyson and Jones is doing, unbelievable. They're two 50-year-old guys. They're going to do an extra bit. That's where he's heading, and he'll be great. Throw him in the mix. He, he'll, he's good for that. You know what I mean? But at this, MMA, man, is tough to begin with. And, you know, a guy – like the guys that really could last, the guys like Henderson, that they did the same thing, that power's the last thing to go. Henderson today, if he hits you with that right hand, I'm still sure – he yeah. will knock you into another time zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? But with him, it was either he was either going to win or lose by that right hand. That was it. He wasn't going to beat any other way. And that's a little different. This guy needs, you know, the, the tricks and the movement. And that, that shit goes. The timing, you don't see the punches as good as you used to. That happens to fade a little quicker than your power. And he right. was more of a finesse player. He really wasn't a power player. He walked you into punches, you know, it was the punch you didn't see with Anderson. And that stuff has a tendency to go. And look, it happened to Leonard, man. That guy was unbelievable. Sugar Ray was by far my, the best boxer I ever saw. And, you know, at the end of the, his career, it, man, it just doesn't look the same. You know, that's why I love Hagler, man. He had that fight with Leonard, probably one loss, whatever, close, walked away. 
All we think of Hagler is Hagler Hearns, Hagler Mugabe, all those great fights that Hagler had. We don't, we never saw him, we never saw him on the downside. And I think there's something to that, man. It's not easy. No doubt. No doubt. But I think that's, I'm just saying, I'm taking that side of the, uh, the, 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 the uh, conversation. Yeah, and I think there are athletes who accrue losses late in their career that think about that on an almost day-to-day basis. Man, why didn't I just walk away when I was 20 and 3 yeah. instead of being, you know, 21 and 11? So uh, I don't want to steal the thunder of your segment, and there are a few other UFC items that I want to get wow, to with you. Okay. But because you're the star of the show and because the MMA masses seem to think that I owe them a shoey, we're going to get the shoey out of the way here during the Ray Longo really? minute. So essentially, if you don't know the story, and I'm not trying to put the spotlight on me, I'm just trying to honor no, my no. bets no john because i'm a man of my word the spotlight is on you you're doing a shoey well so because there were no fans on fight island fans suggested that if tai to ivasa won that i would do a shoey and so i tweeted that i was in to do the shoey now in that moment of course i forgot that maybe somebody might be spitting it spitting in it before i drank it but thankfully i have found out that is not a prerequisite to doing a shoey but a lot of fans seem to think because ty won the fight that i owe them a shoey wow. so daniel cormier brought it up on the air he said he doesn't even want to spit in it like he just wants me to do the shoey and so uh Unless you guys have anything that would further delay me, I just figured I would do the shoey for the Anakin Florian podcast audience, and uh, and then it would sort of live on in perpetuity if anybody questioned whether or not I made good on the bet. Well, is, was Cormio was Cormier sweaty foot in that shoe or, or no? Is that so that? my sweaty foot. I mean, I, full disclosure, like I have run as many as five miles in these. They're Reeboks JJ Watt model, I believe. Wait, hold so, uh, up again, John. Hold up the bottom. I think did you? No, the bottom. Oh, yeah, there's dirt in the bottom of the shoe. Can you you poke holes in the bottom so the beer runs out? You're not really doing anything? We'll see. We'll see. All right, right, I'm going to get this shoe out of the way, and then I'm going to ask you uh, in all my sobriety about uh, Hamzat Shimaev and and Leon Edwards, okay? All right, let's – so, I mean, do you want us to chant shoo-wee, shoo-wee? No, I, well, whatever you guys want to do, I'm pulling my mic up. So you guys are going to have to carry the show. Right. But, uh, right. <laughs> last time I think I chugged a beer. Not all that long ago. Maybe I banged one back on Fight Island, but I used to do this with regularity at Gettysburg College back in the day, not out of a shoe, but just banging natural lights. I was the worst shotgunner in the world, not for lack of effort. All right, here we go, Ray. Here we go. Thanks for being here for this, Ray. I know not what you expected on a Sunday morning. No, this is huge, man. This is this. Fine, <laughs> fine. John, John, getting ready to uh, pour the beer into Should I his spit shoe, it, Kenny. Uh, you, it might as well. I mean, it's it's your own. It's fine. You don't have to. It doesn't matter. There he, there he goes. He spit. He just spit in the shoe. Now he's pouring. What is that? A Corona? I believe it's a Corona. Uh, he's got the Corona. He's he's pouring it into his Reebok shoe, and. Uh, uh. Wow. He's, he's gonna do this. He's gonna do this, Ray. Let's see if we can do it all in one shot. And then On he's November first, oh, everywhere. Oh, oh, John Anik oh. had a choice. He's trying to catch the beer now oh, with wow. his other hand. He's, yeah, he's, he's doing a pretty good job now. That's much better. That is dedication. Man, he, he actually made a formal out of his hand. Well so done. Oh, well hey, they say how you do anything is how you do everything. Anik just killed it on that one. So you know when they say you're either all in or all out. This man is all in, Kenny. He is. Oh, oh, he's taking extra sips. Wow. We're I love it. it. Oh, <laughs> we're going to proofread it. Yeah. Oh, Daddy will be right downstairs, girls. Daddy will be right downstairs. 
Imagine, imagine your kids. I think I just got drink his breakfast out of his shoe. Oh, oh Anik, you're the man, dude. Wow. I wouldn't have done something. I'm a whip. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I had to pull it together. I had to pull it together because I was losing the beer all over the house here. My script for the main event challenge is ruined, but uh, got a nice little buzz now, Raymond, not an empty stomach. A little fasted cardio before the show. We're okay. Get those carbs in there. <laughs> All right. So, oh, man, he is. I'm impressed. I don't even know if I can go on. I'm, I might be uh, shell-shocked. Well, let me ask you this, because Chris yeah. Weidman did factor prominently in this conversation, at least for a little bit there. Neil Magny does not get the Hamzat Chimaev fight. It goes to Leon Edwards, right? Excuse me, bona fide top three welterweight in the world. I am so excited to be a fan December 19th, a week after the pay per view, and watch this main event. Like, I think this is a hugely compelling main event. And Ken Flo and I were going to talk about it. What do you think about uh, Chimaev and Leon Edwards coming up here in uh, in about seven weeks? Uh, man, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a great fight. I mean, when was the last time Edwards fought? He's got to have, it's had to be a long time while. ago. Long I mean, time ago. He seems uh, like he just has been totally out of the picture, and this kid's been active. I think that's going to play into it a lot. And uh, big test for uh, Chemayev. I mean, Edwards, Edwards just squared away. I don't know, like, what he's been doing in the off time. I hope he's been – I mean, obviously he's been training, but uh, yeah. it seems like it's been a year since we saw him at least. I don't know. Kenny, I feel like this is a really difficult matchup, as hard a matchup as Leon Edwards could have accepted, but certainly that comes with a lot of upside. I think he's title shot worthy right now. Of course, he has the history with the champion, Kamar Usman, uh, but I'm just pulling up the ledger on the 29-year-old Leon Rocky Edwards. So the last fight, yeah, was Rafael Dos Anjos, main event July of, of 2019. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he was ten and three after the Usman loss, and now he's eighteen and three, eight consecutive wins. Ken Flo, I just feel like you know, not that he can't win it, not that he won't be favored, but there were certainly easier matchups out there for Leon Edwards than, uh, or so it would appear, than Hamzat Chimaev. There's no doubt about that. And again, I, I think Kamaru Usman um, showed uh, that it's possible to to go in there and grind him against the fence and take him down repeatedly. Uh, Chimaev can certainly do that. But, uh, you know, what Chimaev has that Usman doesn't really is uh, what seems like a, a pretty good long range, uh, long range game with, with some serious knockout power. So uh, here's a guy who's going to come down from 185 pounds. He's tall. He's lanky. He's strong. Um, I think that for Edwards, hopefully we see him. Um, I guess, get through some, some more of the layers of Chimaev and we get to see, okay, exactly what this guy has uh, because we haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, we've seen him either take you down, beat the hell out of you uh, and, and take you out, or he knocks you out in about a minute. So uh, I'm really curious to see how Edwards approaches this fight. I think he's much better positioned than he was back when he fought Usman. He's a much better fighter. Um, and if Chimaev's able to beat someone like Edwards at this point in his career, oh. and only what his fourth, this is his fourth UFC fight or yeah. third. Yeah, yeah, I it's think, crazy. Three, yeah, three, yeah. That, that would be amazing if he's able to get a win against Edwards. That means that we have, you know, uh, really a legitimate star in in, uh, no in Hamza Chimaev. Yeah, and that's and that's the uh, that's the question. And let me just say one thing with Weidman. 
It was Chemayev that called out Weidman. Weidman didn't call out Chemayev. He's just right. not. He's not going to back down from a fight. Of course. And, and my sentiments were: Hey, if you're going to get him, get him now. I mean, if that's what he wants, right. you know, we don't know what we don't like. Kenny says there's not a lot on him. Let's find out. You know what I mean? And I think the Edwards fight is going to prove that also. We're going to know if he's the real deal or not. We're going to see if he's got holes in his games that can be exploited in the future. And uh, this is a, a big test. Uh, he seems like a, a young kid who's who's very, very brash. Who We're going to find out, man, because no doubt. I, I think, you know, he's, he's definitely talking a huge game. And he has smashed some guys, but now he's going to get a guy that, you know, has been around for a while that's fought some really good guys. And we will get a good gauge on what what's uh, what the ceiling is for this kid after this fight. But Edwards is slick, man. You know, it's almost like what Kevin Holland said. Give me a name guy. You know what I mean? Instead of guys that are coming in for the first time, we want to, you know, I think he's right with that. Let's see what he's got. Put him in there with guys that have some name value. And, uh, you know, he looks like a scrappy kid, uh, Holland. And I'd like to see where where he go, where how he fares against you know some of the guys that have been around for a while. And same thing for Chamayev. This is a huge test. This is a big jump. Yeah, well, and the jump though that I think is enticing for fight fans. I was so excited when I saw that this fight was announced and that I would just be home six days before Christmas and able to watch this fight because for those who criticize the Gerald Mershart booking, this is the exact opposite of that. They're giving him the number one contender in the oh, welterweight division. Down. You know what I mean? So you beat Leon Edwards and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Gilbert Burns is going to be next, but uh short list at 170 yeah. pounds. Now yeah. that my office, by the way, smells like Theta Chi fraternity house at Gettysburg college. It makes me want to go downstairs and get another beer. I mean, what are we trying to do here on an NFL Sunday? Just have a beer and like take a nap or try to get a buzz. <laughs> so I'm going to get a beer while Cody gets Ian Parker on the line. Ray, wow. before we let you go, yeah, 78% of our listeners who woke up early and voted in our poll believe that Tiago Santos is going to beat a 41-year-old Glover Teixeira this weekend. I think the fight is improperly priced. I think Glover Teixeira isn't getting enough respect from the odds makers given Tiago Santos's layoff due to what was a very uh, significant knee injury. Uh, and Santos is 36, right? Age is just a number. We need a main event pick from you, and then we'll let you get back to your Sunday and your NFL boycott and anything else you got going on. Oh, uh, wow. That's a tough one, man. And I love I love, love a Texera, too. Texera, so excuse me. Uh, like Ian Parker butchering not just the first name, but the last name, too. <laughs> Uh, Glover. Why well, I butchered that? That's just that's Glover. my long accent. What is it? Glover, like four leaf clover. Oh, oh, clover. <laughs> oh my God. Perpetuate. What was it? Perpetuity. You get. You Perpetuity. Like, is that a four leaf really? clover in your hair? What is that? Oh no, that's just. Uh, that's just dust. No. That's just yeah. a leaf from uh, So Santos about minus two twenty five. Uh, Tashera in some spots as high as plus one ninety five. Who wins the main event this Saturday night? And then, of course, if you want a recap, Ray Longo on extra rounds after the fact. Uh, I'm going to have to go. Uh, I don't want to, but I'm going to go with Santos. Okay. All right. And I really don't want it because I love the other guy. But uh, I think, uh, man, I'll be I'll be pulling for Glo Glover. But yeah. I will. Uh, but I but I'm going to pick uh, Santos if I had to make a if a guy had a gun to my head like you would say, John. That's right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, you're, you're gracious with your time as always. It's great to see you and uh, we'll catch up on the other side and, and it's back to Monday. I think next week, we look forward to, uh, to speaking with you then, sir. Awesome. What was, what was the reason for this, uh, 
this in in uh, myriad reasons, but oh, myriad. Flo had some television obligations, oh, and we oh, had some availability. Oh. Maybe Canflo is requesting a jet to his next battle box. <laughs> <or> PJ. <laughs> but Kenny is also on the East Coast. We're not going to tell you what state he's in, but because he's on oh, the yeah. East Coast, we have more flexibility when it comes oh, to our time slots. So I forgot about that. Yeah. Hey, Kenny, yeah. it's really happy to have you back on the East Coast where you belong. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. All right, Ray. Uh, get the fuck out of here. We love you. You're the star uh, of the show. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yes? All right, guys. Have a great uh, rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Take care, guys. Oh, my Sunday be great. No boycott of the NFL over here. Today's main event challenge is brought to you by MyBookie, where winning season has now returned. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers out there at MyBookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting on live sports all season long. And for a lot of you daily bettors out there like me, we're rejoicing because the NFL has returned in fine form. Action-packed Sundays, huge cash prizes, and the UFC, of course, is live straight through December 19th. So a lot of opportunities on the board to bet there. So why not make now the time to get in on the action use promo code anic florian one word anic florian and double your first deposit new players get up to a thousand dollars in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet so bet with the best this nfl season for your chance to win big use promo code anic florian and double your first deposit your winning season begins today only at my bookie all right ufc fight night santos versus Teixeira. saturday night main card espn2 let's get to the picks it's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And it is great to see my man Ian Parker, the duck on social media at Ian Parker MMA, but the handle likely to change to eventually include the duck somehow, some way. And Ian has reason to smile. His first best bet came in. Uh, but I want to read you guys a text I got from Pahumpa, Marcos mm-hmm. Damata, American top team jiu-jitsu <laughs> coach. Uh, tell Kenny and that other dude that picked Bobby Green to win that this win for Tiago Moises was for them. I'm mad that Tiago didn't finish, though. I love you. And Pahumpa is one of our longtime listeners. And uh, and that's OK. Right. We all sort of articulated that we thought Bobby Green maybe was improperly priced in that minus 270 range. But uh, just figured, Ken Flo, that I would share the the text from Pahumpa, and you certainly thought that Tiago Moises was uh, not getting the respect maybe from Vegas that he deserved, but big win for Moises nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, An an excellent win. I I think, you know, Bobby Green um, is always going to be a tough out, but to me, while he, you know, he gains more experience um, skill wise, I haven't seen that uh, improvement that I would like to see. Meanwhile, uh, Moises is a guy that has been improving. You, you, you know, this time around we saw no his doubt. wrestling get better. You know, he's getting way more comfortable on the feet. When we saw him start out in the UFC, he was very hesitant on the feet. In my opinion, his wrestling really wasn't there. He's making the right improvements and got a got a nice win over a very tough Bobby Green. Ian, I want to get your thoughts on Bryce Mitchell before we update the standings and move forward, and maybe some thoughts on Greg Hardy as well, because I know you're firmly on the uh, on the Hardy train. Um, but what do you think about Bryce Mitchell in terms of elite status and how far he can actually take this thing? I feel like we've kind of exhausted the win on the show, but I mean, do you see him as, as part of that featherweight elite or not yet? What I saw last night, uh, and Kenny and I were going back and forth during the back oh, and on forth text? during the fight. You and Kemflo texting back and forth, huh? 
Kenny, nice. Kenny, Kenny only texts me when he's really mad about someone's performance and how what oh. he does on what he does on Twitter. If he doesn't want to put it there, he texts me because he knows I'm listening and I'll respond. Um, and, and but it's funny though. It's like we share that wavelength. And sometimes when he texts me, I'm like. Why does he always anger text me? But it's not at me. So it's like he likes to vent me and he's frustrated, but he doesn't like me, but he kind of likes me. So we, we got like this good relationship. And he admitted to the Twitter world that he does like me a little bit. So, you know, we're we're slowly we're wow. slowly building up this bromance as uh listen, I'm trying real hard with Kenny. You know, I'm giving him his space, I'm letting him text me what he wants, you know. We're we're in a good place right now. But, but uh, seriously, on on Mitchell, yeah. right? Like because you guys were both on Andre Feely. And I told you privately my best bet of the weekend was Bryce Mitchell. And that's neither here nor there. Um, sure. But that's just because I've been blown away by him recently in person. So talk to me. I mean, I'm, you yeah. guys watch this with a more sophisticated eye than I do, obviously. So talk to me about Bryce Mitchell. I think Kenny or I would have taken whoever was the underdog in this fight based on the way the show operates, to be fair. I think what we were kind of looking at was that Bryce hasn't fought the level of competition as Andre Feely has, or a fighter like Feely. And as you saw with Feely on the ground, the one thing that I was really impressed with him was his defense on the ground, right? He kept trying to get up. He was exploding. He was not really put, even when he got mounted for a second, he got back to guard. He was doing everything correct. The problem was he was so exhausted fighting that off that in that third round, where I believe it was tied 1-1 going in, Bryce was smart, didn't want to get hit with something else, took the fight to the ground. I was so impressed with how quickly he got the fight to the ground and how he wasn't even trying to bang with Feely. Feely was the obvious better striker throughout the fight, but even when Bryce Mitchell got put on his back, he reversed. And, you know, I just think the fight IQ that people aren't expecting because the way he speaks sometimes and the way he always talks about the camo shorts and his uh, his car commercial, sometimes people take that for granted and think, oh, you know, he's this Southern boy that just wants to eat squirrel and got his nuts right. chopped off, whatever it was. But he's right. a really smart fighter and he played into his strengths and he didn't fuck around. And that was super impressive. And yeah, you called it. You definitely said that was your best pick of the week. Um, my, I'm, I'm pissed at myself because what was the other bet I gave you? But I was too much of a pussy to put Jason it out there. Jason Witt on the Witt. straight wager side. Now, if you saw the blooper reel, and Kenny, I didn't send you this. I literally said, my best bet of the week is Jason Whip because last time he showed potential, no, he fucking didn't. He got crushed. Why am I saying this on camera? And I had Cody edit that to just the parlay. But Jason Whip, I was really impressed with what he did as well. But Bryce Mitchell's got a nice future. I'd like to really see the next level of competition. And uh, Andre Fioli's still young. He'll bounce back as well. And give me 30 seconds on Greg Hardy, if you would. Oh, man. This dude possessed that type of power at any point. I thought he exerted a lot of energy in that first round. I do think that this was the right fight for him. I don't see him being a top five heavyweight, though, really for another year. I think he needs another couple of fights for the top five. I saw a lot of spots where if he doesn't get that knockdown, a lot of other fighters, if they do, if they're a volume striker, can outpoint him. You know, if they go out of his ankles, he doesn't threaten the takedowns. You know, he's really just a power puncher and... I think he's gotten better. His evolu- his improvement, uh, uh, his improvement is still there. But uh, you know, it's funny we see it against th- a guy like Mo Green, but then you know, against the higher level, we don't see that as much. So he's going to have to get tested again really soon. But I think he's going to have to really pace himself in that first round, not get overly excited when he drops the guy, and when he's on top, he doesn't have to throw the hardest punches. He could do the volume. He could take his time, save his energy, and right. maybe also work on some top submissions like an arm triangle from the top and advanced position. That's my opinion on Hardy. 
All right, let's spin it forward, guys. Team Attic now leads at 136 to 133. So it was a 3-0 week. Parker goes 2-2. Two and two. Ken Flo, almost all underdog selections, by the way, Ken Flo, if it's any consolation. He had three underdogs, but uh, it's 136-133, and it's UFC Fight Night Santos versus Teixeira. Don't forget, we will have a best bet from the Duck coming up this Friday on our Anik Florian Pod media channels. Uh, but first fight for us today, first fight on the main card this weekend, can be seen on both ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. In the strawweight division, Jan Shaunan, minus 135, Claudia Gedalia, plus 115. So two straight wins, Ian, for Claudia Gedalia. She'll try to inch closer to a second title shot here. Jan Shaunan, how about 5-0 and in the UFC? 10-0 and with a no contest spanning her last 11. Ian Parker, what do you think? The favorite Shaunan or the underdog Gedalia? I am going with Shaunan here. I, I just like what I've seen out of her, that aggression, that poise, well-rounded. I think for Claudia, her last couple of fights, I, I think where that hesitancy with the output and trying to get this fight to the ground, she's becoming too comfortable with that striking against this opponent. That is not a good idea. So I'm going to go with the with the favorite here, absolutely. Ken Flo, the first strawweight fight in UFC history, July of 2014 in Atlantic City. It was Claudia Gedalia versus Tina Lahadamaki. I was there. Remember being impressed with both athletes. But it's been up and down for Gedalia since, right? 12th UFC appearance here. Try to do something she's never done before, which is win three consecutive fights. Slight dog here against Yan Xiaonan. How do you handicap the matchup? You know, I, I could see actually Gedalia, who really gets off to a, a great start for most of her fights, uh, winning this by submission. I think if she takes her down, gets the right position, she could finish this fight early. However, um, you know, you look at Jan and her propensity for going uh, the distance and, um, you know, winning these decisions. I, I could see her outpointing her as well. That's the way I'm going to go. Uh, I think Jan is going to be able to keep her on the outside, eventually tire Gedalia out. Uh, and win by decision. And by the way, we have an intern starting next week who's going to keep track of all these numbers, maybe a new scoring system for 2021. And don't you worry, the Duck is sticking around in some capacity. I know it's been uh, a little swell for the Duck fan base over the weekend, so uh, we're paying attention. What are you What are you doing? I'm giving you some fucking shine. What's the problem? <laughs> Putting no. your hands in the air like that emoji, like... No, <laughs> No, I, we didn't even get to the second fight. We're already talking about my future. I love it. It's okay. No, we're good. We're good. Your future Listen, is fairly you, secured. I appreciate that. Back against the wall, duck flies high. Let's fairly go. in caps. All right. Big fight at middleweight, Ken Flo. <laughs> we'll have you lead here. This one's got some heat on it, folks. Ian Heinish, the guy with the number next to his name, it's a 15, but it is Brendan Allen, who is the minus 135 favorite. Heinish comes back plus 115. So Brendan Allen, Kenny, pretty impressive young kid, 3-0 and in the UFC, ton of experience despite being like 25 or so. Uh, and now he's left Milwaukee for South Florida. Rufus Sport out, Sanford MMA in. What do you think about Allen here against Ian Heinish in a fight, by the way, that initially was slated for June 27th. It shall be done this weekend. I'll say this. I think Heinish is one of those guys um, who, even if you beat him, he can make you look bad. Uh, he's awkward. He's tough. He doesn't go away easily. Um, you know, he's a solid wrestler, can get you on the ground, can beat you up. Um, you know, definitely will swing for your face and try to knock your head off. Um, but I do think that Brendan Allen uh, is very skillful. I think he brings a lot of skill here to the table that I don't think Ian Heinish has really had to deal with before. Um, I think Allen is a guy to watch for sure, uh, a guy who I think will fight for the belt one day. Um, has, you know, the youth, as you said, but has a lot of experience and 
uh, is really good everywhere, in, in my opinion. So I, I think um, he's got the right mindset as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Allen here. Ken Flo likes B.A. Brendan Allen Allen. On the other side, Ian Heinish, crazy story. You should look it up, but he's certainly been through some things in his personal life. Professionally, he's coming off a win over Allen's teammate and friend, Gerald Mershart. That was UFC 250 in June, and you may recall he was supposed to fight Allen Ian a few weeks later, but shortly thereafter when the fight was sort of announced, Ian Heinish pulled out. So then Brendan Allen fought a very game Kyle Dawkins and was extended by him. But I think you're going to get a big effort out of both of these guys. What do you think about the middleweights coming up Saturday night? I think Kenny broke it down pretty much perfectly. This is Brendan Allen's fight. I think stylistically 100%. The only concern I have is if Ian Heine shoots in for a takedown, it looks like Brendan Allen's a little too comfortable jumping on guillotines at any point in the fight. And I think what we've seen is that <laughs> past the first round, it's just not a good idea. And sometimes when guys are too confident in their jujitsu against a guy like Heinish, Heinish will be happy to sit in your guard and grind out a round and land those shots. And Allen can pull up the submissions, but I don't see Heinish as a guy that gets submitted from the top like that. You know, I think Allen's going to have to use his jujitsu if he gets taken down to get back up, where I think he's the more technical striker compared to Heinish being wild. However, that being said, I think Allen has way more tools to win. And if I don't pick him, Bilal Muhammad will unfriend me. So I do like Brendan Allen. Uh, I'm curious to where his journey goes. I do see a lot of potential in that kid. Ceiling's really high. Absolutely. Bilal doesn't seem like the unfriending type. No, but I didn't let him borrow my computer for his show this weekend, so he was upset. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He was here. He was, dude, he was like 15 minutes. Yeah, he was in South Florida. He randomly hits me up. He's like, yo, um, show starts an hour. Can I borrow your computer? I'm like, you know, you could do your show on the phone. He's like, I can? I was like, yeah, you're good, bro. Imagine this guy shows up at my house, borrows my computer, and then, like, drops it off. I don't see him again for a year. That would have been a good story. It It was a big seventh episode for Remember the Show, by the way, on this very channel with Dustin Dustin, Poirier and Paul Felder. But I got to say, man, right, I wish he had your computer, but I wish he just had a fucking door or a quiet room. Did you see Jared Gordon, like, banging fucking pots and pans in the background of Bilal's show? I mean, I love me some Remember the Name, but, like, I'm an audio guy, so – I listened to that show. I wasn't necessarily watching it. And I hear all the pots and pans. I had to had to text my executive producer, Cody Merrow. Uh, you got to get that message to Bilal about the point, fucking pots point, and pans. At what point did anyone think it was a good idea for Bilal to shoot the show with Jared within a five-foot, ten-foot distance from him? What do you think? That was going to go off smoothly? Right. I'm surprised he wasn't behind him hitting everything that whole time. Come on. But uh, great episode for them as well. All right, co-main event at heavyweight. Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer, minus 260. Andre Arlovsky is plus 220. We'll need the round and the method of victory. We will have Ian Parker lead here. So here's my thesis statement on the fight. I am calling it, but Bozer is a top 12 heavyweight in the world right now. I found, I think, six heavyweights in the world in the top 15 uh, that I think he beats despite not being ranked. He's minus 260 here against the ageless Andre Arlovsky, who makes his 33rd UFC appearance here. Ian Parker, Bozer, Arlovsky, who do you like? I can't believe how many fights Andre Arlovsky has had in the octagon. It, it, it really is crazy. I remember his fights dating back to Tim Sylvia. Um, I am such a Bozer fan here. Me too, I bro. such a big fan. Personality for days. Oh, man, this guy's marketable. He is hilarious. He's humble. Great Twitter situation going on with him. And I think he's getting better every fight. I really I really do. I don't think he's just a brawler. I think his striking has gotten way more technical. The angles he's taking, you know, the way he's moving his feet. He's not just bulldozing in, no pun intended there. He really is just tightening up this game. And 
the fight IQ, I, I'm so impressed because when he first got into the UFC, you're thinking another brute brawler, a guy who's just going to, you know, rock him, sock him robot. But he's really being super efficient with, with these fights and he's finishing. And I think a guy in Orlovsky who does not threaten the takedowns, who is very hittable. I mean, like the most hittable person ever, potentially. And that's not a knock on him. It's just the way he fights as well. And his age, you know, nothing against Arlovsky. He'll be an all-time great. I just think this is Tanner's fight to get a nice name on his resume. And I'm going to go knock out round one for Tanner. Tanner Bozer, round one, TKO or knockout. Kenny, we've talked about somebody grabbing this Canadian market by the balls, right? And and selling out the Bell Center or somewhere else, Toronto or otherwise. We talked about Hakeem Dawadu and others. And maybe Tanner Bozer with the mullet and missing teeth. He won't even tell you why he's missing the tooth. Don't ask him. We tried in a fighter meeting. He don't want to go down that road. Uh, but karate guy, very thoughtful martial artist, right? Who, you know, fancied himself a, a modern day Lyoto Machida at times, has studied George St. Pierre. On the other side, Andre Arlovsky, the more known quantity. 41 years old. UFC debut was November 17th, 2000. UFC 28 high stakes at the Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And despite the fact, Kenny, that he was outside the UFC competing for more than six years from 2008 to 2014, he still could end up retiring with more UFC fights than anyone ever. Uh, And he won his last one on May 13th against Felipe Lins. What do you think about Arlovsky here trying to make it three wins in his last four as an underdog against Tanner Bozer? You know, uh, this is a tough fight for Arlovsky. You know, he, he's been given a lot of tough fights. I, I think that um, he does have a whole lot of experience, and we've saw, we've seen much better footwork uh, and defensive responsibility from Arlovsky. Um, but we've still seen that inconsistency from him, and, and that's what worries me the most. Uh, I've been a big fan of Arlovsky. I love that he's continuing to compete. Uh, and challenge himself. I still think he's got some, uh, you know, fuel in the tank, but I don't like, I don't love this fight for him. I think Tanner Bozer, um, you know, a lot like Ian, I'm really high on this guy. I think this is a guy who can go really far. Um, I I think he carries, um, you know, intelligence about him um, that I think will, will take him a a long way. I could definitely see him fighting for the belt uh, and possibly winning it. I think he also has the mindset where he's not going to be intimidated by a Francis Ngannou. He's not going to be wowed by a Stipe Miacic and that kind of legend. He's out there to win. He stays focused. And I think he's going to do that against Arlovsky via knockout in round two. Look at Ken Flo just fucking bringing it on Tanner the Bulldozer. That Bozer. was beautiful. I, I like sometimes when uh, when my opinion dovetails with Ken Flo, but I mean, you think his ceiling might be even higher than mine. But I'm telling you, the 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 best thing you probably said was that he is not a striker that will be intimidated in a striking realm with Francis Ngannou. He's just not. So maybe we found a guy who would fight Ngannou. All right, main event, Ken Flo trailing now, so he's going to lead off on the headliner here. Tiago Santos, minus 225, Glover Teixeira, plus 185. Poll results at Anik Florian Pod, about 78% of you on Santos, the other 22% on the underdog Teixeira, so that kind of flows with the betting line. And I sort of feel like for different reasons, I really want to see both of these guys win. I know now it looks like Bohovic is going to fight out but it would be great to see Santos come back from the debilitating injury and win to share. I'm not sure he's ever been better than he is right now at 41 years old, Ken Flo, but uh, we need to know what you think of the betting number and ultimately which way you're going on the main event coming up in six days. I'll say this. Listen, if we see the Glover Teixeira um, that we've seen as of late, I think Teixeira could go out there and take down Santos. I don't think Santos 
um, is a big threat on the ground. I think that's always been a big vulnerability for him, uh, you know, especially Tichero, uh with that background. I think could take advantage of that and, and maybe, uh, you know, lock up a rear naked choke. Um, do I see that happening? I don't. I think Tiago Santos is going to be able to stop the takedowns. I think his speed and power is going to be the difference here against Glover Teixeira. Uh, Teixeira has never been the fastest guy, but we have seen him slow down a little bit more. Um, and sometimes I think that – I don't know. I think with Glover, um, with his activity, I'm not sure yet if I can make a determination as to whether it's a good thing or a bad thing um, because sometimes we've seen – uh, Glover look amazing. And then other times he just seems like tired, like he's been through a brutal camp with injury. So that's a concern for me, um, you know, with him being uh, 41 years old. So uh, I'm going to go with Santos here. Um, you know, I, I think he wins and I think he wins early. I think that's his best shot against Teixeira is to get a win by knockout in round one. Round one TKO for Tiago Santos is the way Ken Flo's going on the main event. Broadcaster's dream with that first round finish, hitting a red eye to Miami right after the fight, so that wouldn't hurt. So Glover Teixeira has not lost since he turned 40. He's 41, four straight wins, all of them against good competition. On the other side, Ian, Santos's last fight against John Jones, I thought he fought exceptionally well. I felt like he easily could have won that fight 3-2, uh, but it was July of 2019 during the fight he injured the shit out of Jones's legs, but he sustained a torn left LCL, PCL, MCL, meniscus, cracked tibia, then a partially torn right ACL as well. It's been a long time. I think he's engaged to Yana Kunitskaya now, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Ian, do you see any value on Teixeira and ultimately which way are you going on the main event? I think he's actually married. But, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a good update for me. I, 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 I got to get that right on Saturday, so. <laughs> Look at that. I gave you a fucking fact for uh, something to talk to him about. That's amazing. Um, I'm not going to try and even pronounce your last name. So Santos. Ah, there we go. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here, here's the thing. 99.9% um, .9 of the time I was going to agree with Kenny with that pick, but I don't know how I do that right now with Glover on the up. And Santos hasn't fought in a long time coming off of the double knee surgery, pretty much having to reteach himself how to walk. You know, I mean, to me, I actually thought he was going to get a lesser fight. Um, not saying that Glover is top two right now, but look, he dominated Anthony Smith. He's fought really well lately. And I think, man, to Kenny's point, I don't think this goes to distance either which way. You know, you talk about a guy in Santos who's been out of the cage for a long time. Where's his cardio at with his knees? How long has he been able to really go hard with his knees? And how hard does he go because of his knees? You know, and with Glover. He's old. He's been through it. He's been through a lot of wars. Um, but this is the time to take a shot at the underdog here. You know, I'm going to ride the Glover momentum. Uh, I like what Kenny said. Santos in his career has always, his biggest negative has been fighting off his back. Not really a threat jujitsu-wise. I think Glover does get this fight down. Uh-oh. Uh, we do get this fight to the ground. And I think Glover is going to win by a rare naked choke. I'm going to steal that from Kenny right here. That, that's where I'm going. Like I said, if any time for Glover to do it, it's right now. What round? Oh, I'm sorry. Give me round two. All right, round two by submission. And again, if the cardio is there and the hunger that was there for the Anthony Smith fight is there for Glover Teixeira, I, I fancy him a live underdog as well. All right, at Ian Parker MMA on social media, his best bet coming your way after the weigh-in on Friday. 1-0, man. Good start. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. And if, hey, real quick, if we don't see Anderson Silva in a UFC cage ever again, um, I thought he was winning that fight until he wasn't.
to be honest. I thought he looked better than he did in a really long time. Uh, I think for Uriah Hall, for his next fight, he can't wait that long. He really can't because right. that type of style that he was fighting doesn't win against top five competition in that yeah. division at all. Not to say that he doesn't have that potential. I'm not asking to change who he is marketing-wise. I know he's really big on just showing the wins, but Anderson didn't really fight bad. And Kenny, I saw what you were on Twitter. You were right. Uh, until he got a little impatient and got too close, he, he, he was winning two rounds to one. So, you know, if we do see him again, though, I hope it's against another legend that he could kind of, you know, ride off into the sunset with a W potentially. So, yeah. You got All right, it. buddy. Uh, best of luck on the board in the NFL. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah. Later, guys. All right. Ian Parker with us for the main event challenge. Some NFL picks coming your way. On the way out of here, today's pick to click brought to you by oddshark.com. Oddshark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. So head over to oddshark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. I'm competing against all these handicappers who do this for a living in the Capper Cup. I'm holding my own, but I don't think I'm going to win the thing. But I do have a chance to beat. Our producer, Cody Merrow, who now joins us wearing his Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. Team Merrow, 2-4-1, and one, Anik 4-3. and three. So we're taping this episode right before the start of Week 8. Kickoff in 33 minutes. So we have each given you a play already. Cody is on the Chargers, I believe, minus 3. Yes, sir. And I am on the Buffalo Bills as a 3.5-point home favorite against your New England Patriots. So we need one more play for Week 8. Cody Merrow, who do you have for us? John, I feel like we've really been shortchanging people with my just amazing accuracy and picks. So I'm going to give people a Monday night play, as you can see Ooh. by my jersey. The New York Giants, they don't rank better than 27th in any offensive category. They face an aggressive Todd Bowles defense. They rank the best against the rush, and they're fourth in the league in takeaways. I like Brady coming in here with a locked and loaded, healthy offense. They rank third in points scored, and they haven't even added Antonio Brown yet. Going to be a ridiculous year for them. And plus, John... We're all Patriots fans here. I fucking hate the New York Giants. Give me Tampa minus 12 and a half. Well laid out, my friend. And uh, that's a pretty good number, 12 and a half. But yeah, I just don't see that New York Giants offense keeping up. Might have to tell you on Monday, but my other play on a Sunday is going to be the Miami Dolphins catching three and a half at home against Jared Goff and the L.A. Rams. L.A. has traveled a lot. They have a lot of wins, but a lot of them are not of a high quality. They've been beaten up on the NFC East. I think Brian Flores is going to have a game plan to keep his offense in it. It's Tua Tagovailoa's first NFL start today. He's left-handed. I just think this is a good time to back the Dolphins, and you're getting a key number three and a half. So the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half, the pick to click for me in week eight. All right, a couple programming reminders. Remember, the show will be live this Thursday night with Bilal Muhammad and my brother Jason Anik in the co-host chair Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Guests to be determined, and those will come your way uh, on social media this week. Also, your homework. Because Ray Longo said this fan base turns over every four years, and because we got such great response telling people to go watch Kenny Florian versus Clay Guida, I'm not throwing out the Sean Shirk fight just yet, but just go watch Kenny Florian, Joe Lozon from 2008, main event, Broomfield, Colorado, April 2nd, 2008, I believe. All the stuff that I remember that I don't need to, but UFCFightPass.com, Florian Lozon, main event, and then hit me up on social media and tell me what you thought of that fight. And, uh, See how angry Ken Flo was in a main event setting, taking it out on a fellow Bostonian. Cody, do you remember that fight? You were like 12, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. 
Good. Ground and pound. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was born in 1993. Of course I do. But oh, exactly. just ground and pound. Trying to kill a man. <laughs> Ken Flo at his prime. Unbelievable. But we got to get on out of here. We're back with you next Monday. Thanks to everybody who checked out the show, maybe for the first time last week on the heels of UFC 254. Merchandise is available at anacloriumpodcast.com. Thank you to our sponsors, our guests, Ray Longo and Ian Parker. And we will be back with you on Monday, November 9th. We'll recap Clover Teixeira and Tiago Santos. Until then, for Cody Merrill, Kenny Florian, John saying so long. Thank you all. Love you all. Don't text and drive. Wear a mask unless you're Bryce Mitchell. I respect your take. Yo, later.